I did contact the Reverend Owen and let him know that Beulah and I plan to worship with you here this morning and that I might have a few minutes to share with you what's happening in the radio ministry in Canada, which is really my focus these days since uh, retirement about 18 months ago, and we are now living in Barrie, Ontario. Since we arrived there, um, I had a, a promise to my wife that we would visit Niagara Falls, and we never did it until yesterday. That was uh, our, well, the first time that I had Beulah with me. There was another young man, a student pastor, that I brought down. He wanted to see the falls before he returned home. So I did visit there a few weeks ago, but this is the first time I was able to bring my wife Beulah along. And so we extended the, the trip. We crossed over the Peace Bridge yesterday, stayed overnight, and uh, have looked forward to visiting with you here today and then going on southern, southerly direction to visit with Amish country and look around there. And the weather is looking very beautiful, and we're thanking the Lord for all of that. It was nice to be able to tune in and hear the broadcast here, uh, where we live up in Barrie. The signal from WDCX here in Buffalo is a little bit iffy, uh, depending on some things. Uh, where we live in particular, it's not good, but a little bit south of, of the town, it does improve quickly, and uh, we can get the broadcast. So that station covers a large chunk of southern Ontario, as well as this part of New York and Rochester. Uh, so we're thankful for this opportunity to get the gospel out. We're also thankful that it covers four of our churches here uh, in Buffalo, in Toronto, Port Hope, and also Barrie. So uh, at the close, you may notice week by week uh, that I have jammed in the information for four churches in two minutes. That was a real challenge. And we've given out websites and different information so that people who are listening uh, can hopefully find their way along to church. I've had a number of responses from the Buffalo area. A man called Bill, a man called Daryl, and one or two others, one from Rochester direction. And... Uh, Daryl and Bill wanted prayer. They were searching, and I did let them know about the church. The one in Rochester just was showing appreciation. So we do know that some are listening, and uh, we pray the Lord will continue to use those messages. Now, what's happening on those broadcasts is I'm taking my ministry from uh, over the years, and, of course, a sermon... 40 minutes or so. I have to chop that in two to make it fit into a half-hour program, and so I can get two programs out of one sermon. I've been doing that for a number of years. So that's what's going out week by week with the various announcements and details. This month of October, we're putting in some information about Martin Luther, as it is Reformation Month, and we want to focus on that. And most programs have a little bit of a special interest segment. Um, it might be uh, the gospel focus. It might be the authority of Scripture. It might be the inspiration of Scripture. But something that was just a little bit of added interest. 
and yet I trust profitable that will stir people to the great truths of the gospel. Now, while ministering in Cloverdale over the years, this radio programming has grown, and we are on 10 stations across Canada. One of them is now by, done by the Prince George Church, where the Reverend Andrew Simpson is ministering. And on Sundays in Calgary, the minister there, the Reverend Paul Backhurst, is uh, doing those programs Saturday and Sunday. And so I do the weekday program. There are uh, four areas that we have Monday to Friday, Vancouver, Calgary, the Maritimes, and Liberia. As you know, the Reverend DeCanio in Liberia is running a 24-7 radio station called the, uh, the Free Presbyterian Church Radio. It, it, he's got the complete station. And so he's very hungry for programming to fill the slots. And everything that we do, he can take and reuse in that area. Um, not only in Toronto, but over in the Maritimes, we have a, a, a program, a station called Harvesters FM, and they've got, I think it's eight repeaters that go into different areas like Prince Edward Island, out into further east, uh, Halifax, Moncton, Sussex, and various locations. It's a sparse population. Uh, the best handle I can get on it, there are a total of about 700,000 people in that area. Now, that's a lot of people, but it's a huge area. Small towns, uh, various lonely communities, and areas where people have great difficulty finding a church uh, and finding a gospel church. That is the great difficulty. And our burden is that God will use this to not only maintain the faith, but to keep people uh, with a gospel ear and also reach the lost. So I do value your prayers for these programs as they go out. The other areas are um, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. They have Sunday morning programs. So uh, just pray that God will be pleased to use his word as it goes out week by week. Now, having invited myself to share that with you, I got the invitation to preach today as well. So here I am, and with my Bible, I will endeavor today to bring uh, a message that uh, I trust will be encouraging to your heart, and I pray will uh, be a help to each one here this morning. We're going to turn to the book of Ruth. We'll turn to Ruth and we'll read a few verses in the second chapter. <coughs> All right, where is Ruth? Where is Ruth? Joshua judges, then we come to Ruth. And we're going to look at chapter 2 and we will find uh, Ruth in the harvest field gleaning. And here is really the, the narrative, the story of God's providence, God's mercy, and God revealing His grace. I trust you'll follow along in these opening few verses here. Ruth 2 verse 1. 
And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabites said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto him, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and continued hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Amen. May the Lord bless this reading. Let's unite in prayer. We'll ask the Lord's help this morning. Father, we thank Thee that Thy Word is a living Word, and it is not only an accurate record of real people and a real situation, but it is a Word for our hearts to reveal the goodness of God through Your Son and all the mercies that You bestow upon Your people. We pray today that Thou wilt open the Word and open our hearts to it. Bless Thy people here in this congregation. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Use them mightily that they may be heralds of the light of the gospel in this community. We pray for Thy favor. O Lord, come. Meet with us afresh. Give us the Holy Spirit here in the pulpit in the pew. Oh, speak, Lord. We pray and we ask in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen. As we read, this story of Ruth is centered upon the barley field in the area of Bethlehem, about 1,100 years before Christ. This rich landowner, Boaz, visits the barley field 
and he soon falls in love with the poorest of the maidens gleaning in his field. Now, gleaning was a very miserable task. It was simply going through the stubble after the reapers had bound up the sheaves and picking up the pickles that had dropped on the ground one by one and putting them in her basket. And this is the story of poverty. And the history goes away back a whole generation when her mother-in-law, Naomi, went down to the land of Moab due to famine. Death struck. Limelech died. And then the two sons who married Moabitish girls, they also died. And now, Naomi and Ruth are back in Bethlehem, and she is eking out a living by gleaning in the field when she meets Boaz. This has to be one of the great love stories of the Bible. But it is so much more. It is a picture of the greatness of God's love and God's grace for our souls. It is the story of the Redeemer. Ruth is all about redemption. And in this picture of real people in a real history, a real period of time in Israel, there is the wonder of the gospel. And this is the wonder of the inspiration of the Bible. There is no other literature in the world where you have weaved into a narrative like this, a real situation, real people, real lives, living and dying, and a new generation being born. And yet through it all, God is revealing a wonderful outline of His Son, His love for His bride, the church, and all the blessings that come to this world through Him. Now this sometimes is called typology, where you have pictures of Christ in broad outline, not always in detail, but in broad outline, that reveal something about the grace that is in the Lord Jesus. Now, types and pictures could be with many different people. Prophets, priests, kings, patriarchs, and even sometimes the poorest nobody. And yet in that story is the wonderful grace of the Lord. Now in this book, Ruth is the chief character. The one whose life is lifted out of misery through this mighty kinsman redeemer, Boaz. And I want us today to study her life to see the marvel of inspiration. Not just the gospel now, but there's a, a layer beneath this I want you to think about. The marvel of the writer of this book, who probably was Samuel, who wrote this book of Ruth all those years, 1100 years before Christ, and yet in it are these very clear pictures 
of the gospel of redemption. Now to keep it simple today, I want us to take the letters of Ruth's name. R-U-T-H. That will be our outline. Now I want to warn you, the R will be the long one. The other three will be much shorter. So if we can get through R, we're almost there. The first one then is redemption. Ruth is the story of redemption. But we have to look at the reason for it. What is the big reason of the story of redemption in Ruth's life? And of course it is that she is bought out of poverty, misery and death to a complete new standing as the wife of a wealthy landowner, a kinsman redeemer called Boaz. And it goes back to that story of the family. Her mother-in-law, Naomi, her husband, Elimelech, due to a famine in Israel, they, for whatever reason, decide to go down to Moab. If you were to look at your Bible map, and you know where the river Jordan goes right down to the Dead Sea, well, to the east of that is the land of Moab. Not a very inviting place at the best of times. It would have included, mind you, Sodom and Gomorrah. At one time, it would have been very fertile. Lot would have considered it as fertile. But of course, this is post-Lot and this, the fire and brimstone that destroyed that area. And yet there, Elimelech took his wife Naomi to live. Death struck. The two sons get married. And would appear that they had marriages that lasted about ten years until they died. And you had three widows, three graves, no husbands. And then Naomi announces, I'm going back to my people. And the daughters-in-law are forced into a choice. Orpah decides that she goes back to her own people, the Moabites. But Ruth, she clings to her mother-in-law and she says, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And so she places herself under the care, under the name of the God of heaven. Do you see yourself today in Naomi and Ruth. Boaz is a picture of the Redeemer, Christ. But Naomi and Ruth are the picture of souls under the curse of death, under the misery of this world. The women who met Naomi when she returned to Bethlehem and as they saw her countenance, a broken woman, bruised and hurt by death and sorrow all those years, they said about her, she went out full, but hath returned empty. And that's the story of so many lives. Indeed, it's the story of every life. 
God has created us in His image. God created us in His beauty with righteousness and holiness and a conscience and the knowledge of good and evil. But sin has brought death and its curse into our lives. And there is a picture of where you are at today. And that's the reason for redemption. You need a Savior. You need to be redeemed out of that poverty. Now that brings us to Boaz's desire to redeem. What a story we just read as Ruth was gleaning in the field with the other maidens. And Boaz arrives. And he's checking out his reapers. And he's checking out the harvest. And he's looking upon the gleaners. And he sees Ruth. And for some strange reason, there's an instant connection between Ruth and Boaz and between Boaz and Ruth. What is that? And even Ruth marvels. And she asks, why have I received this favor? And that's our question, isn't it? Why has the Lord chosen us and set His love upon us. And what a burning desire is in the heart of this kinsman, Boaz. If you look at chapter 219, you'll see that her mother-in-law said unto her, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where broughtest thou? Wroughtest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law whom she wrought and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Now further on in the story, chapter 3, verse 18 after there is another introduction between Ruth and Boaz, here again is what Naomi says. Chapter 3.18 Sit still, my daughter, until I know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. The desire within the heart of Boaz to have Ruth as his bride, and to lift her out of poverty, to be her kinsman redeemer. And it's strange, but it's wonderful. And likewise, we ask, what was in the heart of God? What was in the heart of God's Son? When they covenanted, the Father gave a people to his son. And the son said to the father, I will become their redeemer, their covenant head. I will be their savior. And he set his heart. He would not be at rest until all things are fulfilled. And our Lord Jesus committed this world and took upon him flesh, lived for 33 years in obedience, 
fighting, resisting, ministering, and in miracles, ministering to the nations. And then to the cross. He would not rest until he finished the thing. And our Lord Jesus, by his death on that cross, redeemed us. So we had the reason for redemption. We have Boaz's desire to redeem. Now we have his right to redeem. If you look at chapter 3 and Yeah, chapter 220. In my notes, I have 320. I'm going to change that one. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen to me again. Ruth 2, verse 20. And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Now, obviously, Naomi knew the laws of Israel and about redeeming. And the whole law of redeeming was to keep property within the family name. And only family kinsmen could buy property belonging to that family. And there was a pecking order. There were those who were first in line and those who were next. And this Boaz was not first. There was another who was first, who had the right to redeem the property of Elimelech and to take Ruth and so on. And so this became the problem. Could Boaz redeem? And that is the great problem in our salvation. What is the right of the Lord to be our Savior. Well, He had to take our nature to be our Savior. He must take our nature to be a kinsman. And He must sweep away every claim to us. The claim of sin. The claim of Satan, the accuser. And his malice and hatred against the people of God, he would raise his voice and cry, Unworthy. And so our Lord Jesus, he went to the cross. And he, in his saving power, his redeeming work, paid the price to redeem us the right to redeem. That brings us to Boaz's power to redeem. If you look at chapter 4, 6, now as you can see, I'm scanning this great story here today to try and bring the highlights together. We see in chapter 4, 6, and the kinsman said, this is the other kinsman, the other family member that is, I cannot redeem it for myself lest I mar mine own inheritance. 
In other words, I don't have the resources. I can't keep what I have, the property, the business that I'm running. I don't have the resources to shore up all that's required to maintain what I have. And by the right of Elimelech and of Ruth. And so he forfeited his right. He gave up his right. And entered into a contract with Boaz. That he would take on the work of Redeemer. And you'll see that he did this in chapter 4.10. He did this before many witnesses. Moreover, Ruth the Moabites, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife. Now, as you study the book of Ruth, put a circle around that word purchased. Because that's where the whole theme of redemption comes in. That's where the whole marvel and the picture of Calvary comes in. To purchase is the same as to redeem. And Peter said that we are redeemed not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. We are a redeemed people. We are bought. We have been purchased at the ultimate sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. And in another context of our faithfulness and obedience, Paul said, ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And so this is now the claim our Lord has upon His own people, upon His blood-bought people, and they belong to Him. Isn't it a sweet thing for you to say today, I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. And that's not trite. That's not poetry. That's Calvary speaking. That's the power of the Redeemer at the cross who have undertaken all things because He has the power, the resources, this wealthy landowner that's how he's described in this story. And of course, we are a people who enjoy all the riches of Christ. And we are redeemed at great cost. Will you turn with me to the book of Colossians, chapter 1.13? And I want you to see how the Apostle Paul identified this whole work of redemption, deliverance, Translation from one state to another. The book of Colossians, chapter 1, 13. <clears throat> Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. That's the gospel. That's you today as a Christian, as a believer in the Lord Jesus. You are no longer in the kingdom of darkness, a member of that kingdom of Satan and sin. You are translated. That means you're brought out. And it says, 
You're delivered. That's how it's put here. Colossians 1. Who hath delivered us. What a deliverance. What mercy. What grace. What power. What victory in the soul of the Christian. And then it goes on to say in verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. There you have it all. There you have all the terms. Deliverance, translation, out of one kingdom into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Redemption through His blood. And so that's our R. That's the roof. We've got three quick points now. You, the underwriting. As kinsman redeemer, Boaz underwrote everything for Ruth and for Naomi. Their hunger, their poverty. Well, from the very get-go, before there was any relationship at all, he said to his servants, let handfuls of purpose fall for Ruth. He saw the need and provided And then, of course, the underwriting is in the redeeming. Boaz paid it all. He paid it all. Ruth didn't offer a penny. Naomi, not a penny. Boaz paid it all. He underwrote everything required for this act of redeeming. What a wonderful picture of our Lord. And again, I'm emphasizing inspiration. How could anybody write a story like this and weave into the warp and woof of the narrative the gospel of Calvary? That builds up my confidence that this, is a, this book is a marvel. It is God's wonder story. And when the Lord Jesus said that it is written of me, it was true. It's written of him. If you look at Luke 24, 44, that all the scripture and the Psalms and the prophets, all written concerning me. It's a marvelous book. Because our, our Redeemer, he underwrites everything. And then the T, he took Ruth in marriage. And what a story that is. And if in the third chapter you see how Ruth was told by Naomi to wash, dress, go down to the threshing floor, lie at the feet of Boaz, and we may wonder what's going on here. But there was nothing improper. But it certainly was the indication that Ruth would take great delight in being wed to Boaz. And Boaz married her. He took her to wife. Indeed, this could not come about at all without marriage. And isn't it a wonder again that marriage, your marriage, husbands and wives, your marriage, is a picture of Christ and his church. What God ordained in Adam and Eve, one man, one woman, 
united in marriage is a tremendous picture of Christ. Paul wrote of that in Ephesians 5. This is the marvel. It's weaved into the history of the human race. It's weaved into the history of the Bible. It's God's will, but it reflects Christ and His church. That's why we husbands are to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And that's why wives are to take delight in submitting to their husbands to demonstrate the delight that believers have in the rule of Christ as our Redeemer and as our Savior. The closing part of the story is Obed, the baby that is born from this marriage. His name means servant. That's a, a little incidental. But the birth of Obed, the child to Boaz, this baby was to be the grandfather of David. That's the lineage, and it, it's given right in the book. It's written here at the close of chapter 4, verse 17. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. And then in verse 22, it's repeated again. And so the birth of this child is a direct line to the Messiah, the Savior the Redeemer. How many threads do we need to follow the way to Calvary to see the plan and the purpose of God in His Word? We are handling a marvelous book. A book that is all about Christ. Let me give you that text in Luke 24 and verse 44. Just let's look it up and read it together. Luke 24, 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses, that will be the first five books of the Bible, and in the prophets, that would include the writings of Samuel, which would include the book of Ruth, and in the Psalms, that would be the poetical books. That was the threefold reference to all 39 books of the Old Testament. That threefold category, the, the, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, is all 39 books of the whole Old Testament. And the Lord Jesus is saying, after he's risen now, after so many things were already fulfilled concerning him, he said, these things are all written concerning me. And here we are in the story of Ruth, and it's all a beautiful and a wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus. How can you miss this? How can you not see the mighty power and the sovereign purposes of God in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord is in the world today calling sinners 
to his son to seek the Savior. And he says, perhaps to you today, as he says to Ruth, go glean in another field. Do not go and glean in another field. But stay here. Stay here. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The story of Ruth, of romance, of redemption. And it can be replicated in your life too. That's the wonder of it. It can be repeated in your life by faith in the Lord Jesus. By looking unto Him today. May your heart be one. May your want and your misery be left behind. And may you enter into the riches, the grace that is in our Lord Jesus, through faith in His work alone. This is the story of every Christian. That's the wonder of it. May it thrill your heart today. Let's unite in our moment's prayer. Father, we praise Thee today for the light of Your Word. We praise Thee today that we have this grand story of redemption weaved into the book of Ruth. Lord, write it on our hearts. May we find hope in the misery, the curse of this world with all its sin and all its condemnation. May the blessedness of our Lord Jesus fill our hearts. Remember the lost in the world around us. Lord, we take great delight that your heart is filled with desire to save your people. Lord, wilt thou move in power to gather in the lost, to build your church, glorify your name for Jesus sake Amen